Spike has tried everything to win Buffy's love. Now, science will give him his own bionic Buffy. They're both Buffy. No, she's a robot. Spike must have had her built so he could program her. Oh, God. Should I start this program over? An all-new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to You Have Something Face, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes to BB, this is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to which original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 5, Episode 18, Intervention. We'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about characters, and hey, we might even do the Hokey Pokey, so spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and possibly, probably other TV shows and movies. Time for Beat Me Pod. Podcast listeners of the world, beware. That's not how I wanted to deliver that, but sometimes you forget what you wrote, even though you were looking at it. Welcome back. Professionalism. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I think that we have, we've done this a long time now, and I've fully settled into mediocrity. Yeah. (laughs) He's got to embrace it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're all. And give it the uh, appropriate or matching level. Of respect. And enthusiasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, who who are these people talking? Me? My name is Kelly. I'm one of them. And Stasia, you're the, another one. Say hello. Hello. Daniel, you're the other one, too. Say hello. How serious are we? Ten. If the apocalypse comes beat me is a serious amount to ten. Of 10 is a serious amount, is serious to the amount of 10. You see, I'm also, yeah, can't see, do it right. Daniel is also carrying oh, on yeah. the, the established edition of We're the number two. We're <laughs> number two. two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, we're not here to talk about ourselves and navel gaze through the whole episode. We're here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, episode 18 of the season five, of the season five, which aired. On April 24th of the year 2001. And it was written by none other than Jane Espenson, which is the 13th episode of 23 that she will write for this series. Last one was, appropriately, I Was Made to Love You. And the next one will be Afterlife. I think it's episode three. Mm-hmm. Either episode three or episode four of uh, season six. Directed by Michael Gershman, who is the principal cinematographer on almost all of Buffy. This is the sixth of ten for him to direct. And the last one was Blood Ties, and the next one will be Older and Far Away. I always want to call that one Older and Farther Away because it sounds weird. Older yeah. and Far Away. Uh, man, what happened in this episode? You know how I said the thing about Jane Espenson? It being apt that she wrote I Was Made to Love You? Well, guess what? The events from that episode are very relevant for this one. Yes. Because remember when Spike, at the end of it, went to war and was like, hey, build me a Buffy robot? Well, son of a gun, he did. Under threat of death. Pain and death. Although, I guess Warren wouldn't know that Spike couldn't hurt him. Yeah. Food for thought. So, the Buffy bot's here. Uh, it loves Spike as it's designed to, and that makes for general grossness and amusement throughout the episode. But also, crucially, Buffy's having a moment of shakiness when it comes to her slayer dumb and some serious introspection to which Giles proffers, hey, I know about this quest thing you can go on in the desert conveniently. That's right next to Sunnydale, because even though it's something that Slayers have been doing for millennia, they always do it right in California. So that's really, really convenient mm-hmm. for our, our friends here. Uh, during this vision quest, she gets a bomb dropped on her, which is death is your gift. 
what that cryptic thing could possibly mean, we have no way of knowing, but it seems important because it was said around a fire. Uh, Buffy goes back to her house where all of her friends are gathered with the Buffy bot. Go figure. And hey, there's two of them. What's going on? Oh, jokes about the replacement. Another episode that Jane Espenson did. And then, uh, oh yeah, Spike is kidnapped by Glory. Forgot that part. We go to rescue Spike. Buffy pretends to be the Buffy bot after Spike gets all beat up. He's supposed to, he didn't proffer who the key was, which is what Glory wanted and why she tortured him. And then Buffy pretends to be the Buffy bot to confirm whether or not Spike did spill the beans on Don being the key. He didn't. She kisses him for real. The end. That was good. Right? That was pretty jumbly, but I think we made it through. There was a lot. There was a lot. All right. Some other things. There's a couple of firsts. Which has been a while. Let's celebrate yes. the first, shall we? The first appearance of Buffy so, Bot. Are wow. We excited? Oh, yeah. Wow. Really? <laughs> she doesn't stick around very long. Uh, she gets destroyed at the end of Bargaining Part 2 or towards towards the end of Bargaining Part 2. So she will be with us only for a short time. I genuinely did not know she was still in the show. I thought this was the end. This was a bit. She's really still around, Buffy Bot. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, they re- reanimate her when actual Buffy dies to be the new Buffy. Yeah, because they don't want anyone to know Buffy's actually dead because they think that the demons would overrun Sunnydale, and that's exactly what happens. This is great stuff. I can't believe I blocked it out. I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, This is the first legitimate, if you will, kiss between Spike and Buffy. Yay. Yeah. We were all waiting for it. Um, There's another first, I think, but maybe not. Okay, other things. Uh, Dawn is thieving. So this is not, I almost, depending on your take, Mm -hmm. last week was the first time she stole something because she stole the books from the magic box, right? But I don't know, man. That was like for a mish. That wasn't for fun. Like stealing earrings to me is different than stealing spell books to do spell stuff. I don't know. But I also don't think that Willow was in the wrong when she stole that stuff in Triangle. So people got opinions, man. Um, But... It's definitely confirmed that Dawn is a little kleptomaniac. I thought she uh, was stealing it for a spell. She wasn't in this episode at all. And they're like, where's Dawn? Dawn's in the bedroom. She's definitely in the bedroom. I was like, Dawn is gone. Dawn has run away. I thought that was going to be a plot point, that Dawn had no. run away. But she just stole the earrings for the fuck of it. That Really, that's it? She just stole the yeah, earrings. Yeah, Dawn okay. is going to be relegated quite a bit in the coming season episodes so it's nice that we're getting used to that now like hey where's Dawn oh she's actually fine because we forgot she was a character but she's there dude don't worry incredible absolutely incredible okay good to know uh for all of you chomping at the bit to know the Swahili that Giles says in the desert after he shakes his magic gourd or before whatever uh translates to that which I am pledged to guard and guide I hand over to you lead her to a place of safety and learning give her that which she needs show her the path which makes sense, because that's what the kitty does. So Tara's reaction to Buffy banging Spike is like, oh my God, she's crazy, which we'll talk about what a terrible line read that was. Um, and then later in season six, when she finds out that Buffy's banging Spike for real you know, after the death incident, she's like really understanding and kind. Total 180, right? Xander, same way. He's like, uh, it's okay, weird, but okay, in this episode with the Buffy bot. But then when she sees... Uh, Spike and Buffy getting it on later 
or does he actually no? It's, it's Anya and Spike that are having sex in the magic box. That's right. And then he knows by Buffy's reaction that they've been doing it. Anyway, Xander gets real mad. So I wonder what the difference is. I wonder why he was mad about this. He what? Yeah, I mean, no, really. He's Maybe, pretty like, mad. Confused and grossed out. You think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He was also if that scenario you just said he was also banging Anya. So I think he's also yeah. mad about that too. So I'm. Yeah, so mostly that's mad why about that. Was... I would think. Okay, but that was. After they broke up. Oh, well, still, still, yeah. well, still. He's After there. Xander leaves her at the altar. But you know Xander's going to be salty for the next forever. Xander doesn't get an opinion. No, I agree. <laughs> Xander never gets an opinion. <laughs> well, he gets another mention. Fact Good. about Xander. Uh, Xander hot for Spike. So obviously we get the he's compact and tight muscled or whatever he says in this one. But apparently in season 10, issue 7, which is called I Wish Part 1, Xander asks Spikes, how are your muscles so hard and your skin so soft? And I'm just like, all right, well, that's fine. Which is uh, season 10, I think James Marsters and Nicholas Brendan wrote some issues for that. So I can't wait to read those. Uh, let's see. Oh, so the whole Giles, Giles thing is apparently Marty Noxon and Joss Whedon just get so annoyed when fans call him Giles, which is kind of weird given that they clearly pronounce it Giles and never have veered from that. But this was supposed to be a sick burn on the fans. Like, cool job, showrunners. <laughs> Dunking on your fans. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, we learned that Glory can't brain suck vampires, which is kind of like, it's cool to know. I don't know how relevant it becomes, but... Thanks for putting that little bit of lore in there that no one asked for, but cool. I mean, I think it was relevant in the sense that she couldn't do that to yeah. him. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, oh, hey, more more Xander stuff. Uh, Kelly Donovan, his twin brother, who we saw in the replacement, because Jane, all it's all it's all wrapped up together. Uh, Nicholas Brendan was sick. I'm going to use air quotes here. Not that this was confirmed on the internet, but we know the dude had a substance abuse problem, but he was sick. Uh, so. Kelly Donovan had to step in to film specifically the um, the fight scene in the Glorious Apartment building or whatever oh. at the end. So that was not him. Yeah, I noticed well, the credits came up while we were watching the episode. I was like, oh, shit, Kelly Donovan. He must have been Xander in part of this episode. Weird. Wow, cool. Yeah. That's fun. And the gourd. <laughs> God. The gourd that Giles uses. Uh, while Is it the one named, and only? Is it the no, same no. gourd? Oh, fuck. No, 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 no. This is different than the one in Russell's. And I think he'll use another one in the future. They're all different. But this one isn't named. I don't, what the fuck fact is this? Like, it should just, like, really edit what I write down. Um, it doesn't have the name of the gourd, but it says that it's part of the Kusur Batasia family, oh uh, which God. includes cucumbers, watermelons, pumpkins. And you can usually make instruments out of that particular gourd that he's holding. Trunk. Supplies. Supplies? I'm wondering about that. Like food, water, maybe a compass. What about a book, a gourd, and a bunch of twigs? Oh my god, let's talk about the episode. Jeez. Um how did you uh how'd you like this episode of TV, Stacia? This question over time. Um and then uh, I guess I don't really like it. Yeah. Uh, this was another one, I feel like, last week, too, where I was like, this is great. Oh, it's not very good. Oh, this is... Uh, and I just, like, couldn't come away with a, a clear answer whether or not. Yeah, I mean, it, Buffy Bot is really funny. Sarah Michelle Gellar has a really, like, knack for, like, the comedic timing and just, like, the bright bubbliness that she puts forward. Like, you really believe her. But at the same time, you're like, oh, God, that's actually a really upsetting thing you're saying right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, so that, and then the vision quest thing is 
weird. I don't know. I mean, a lot of the jokes, like, standalone are really funny, but the story itself doesn't really, like, hang together for me, I guess. Daniel, how do you feel about it? Yeah, same. I mean, it's a JNS Spinson episode. I didn't actually check that before I started watching it. So once it, once I was laughing like that, I was like, I got to check really quick. Oh, great. As great. soon as the callback started happening, I was like, oh, do the, I was like, oh, this must be Jane. And it really is everything. Not only is it you said I was made to love you, of course, that's like the most direct one. Uh, the replacement, obviously, because we get a straight, you know, Xander being like, you're the evil one. Perfect. That was great, too. And I'm um, obviously restless. I mean, pulling in restless um, was great as well. Like, I mean, the, the, all those little themes really worked for me. Um, I thought it was an okay, like pivot episode, but it does seem kind of weird. It's almost like Jane wrote this, like literally right after I was made to love you. And she just knew that like Buffy's mom dies, but like right the next episode, this is way better than I thought it would be, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mainly because of Jane. I thought with the Buffy bot episode, I thought it was a one-time thing. I didn't realize she was like in the show. And I was like, I thought this episode was just going to be really, 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 really tragic, but it does do a lot of stuff. Like now glory knows about the key. Um, Buffy knows where Glory lives. Buffy knows that she's going to be the gift, right? Her gift is death. Like, we don't know what that means yet. So this is like a not inconsequential episode, but it's definitely, you know, not that important at the end. So I'm kind of conflicted of how important this really is. Yeah, I feel the same way. That's why I was talking about last week because it had a similar thing. I feel like even last week had less content because those, those revelations of death is your gift. I mean, that's such a huge thing. We don't know that now, but like, that's, that's going to be the end for Buffy. Um, and then the the spike moments at the end, I just like I feel like there's there's a lot of stuff here, but there's also it's mostly just jokes and it's really playing on yeah. the whole Buffy bot thing, which yeah is really really disturbing. I found myself in this episode maybe for the first time, uh, kind of narrowing in on why I find myself constantly asking about this show. Why do I like this so much more than so many other shows that are genre wise the same? Right, like we talked about Vampire Diaries before, mm-hmm. uh, and there's like a, a whole host of shows that Stacia's watched on Netflix that I've just kind of mm-hmm. been on that I've I've watched, and it's just like they don't appeal to me at all. But they're ostensibly the same, right? It's like you know, Magic Girl or Magic People fighting other Magic People. I mean, it's not one to one, but it's pretty close. So. What the what's the difference? So in this episode, I feel like we try to do some adulty type stuff, like we're trying to get a little bit darker, maybe, or things are just are darker now, and it it feels a little frictiony to me. So I've always had this mind that like if Buffy were only on HBO or something, and we could get a really cool serious show, and and both of you have fought kind of against that, being like, well, the part of the sh- the show is it's that it's funny, like, and and you're gonna really take that out. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the things that first comes to my mind, which balances the, like, serious silliness, like, like special effects, superhero fight, fight silliness with funny times and also seriousness, like gravity. So I feel like it can be done, but I don't think that that's what the magic of this show is, no pun intended. I, I It's like, it just wouldn't work right. I don't think it would work right. I've really come around to seeing that the Breaking Bad version of Buffy would not be good, or at least not the same show at all. Uh, and I, I don't know why this episode kind of struck me as that. So I was like, I think it was the, the scene in with Sinea, you know, like the, the little vision quest scene that really, I was like, this really is taking me out of it. This seems really silly. Actually. I remember this being way cooler Mm -hmm. for some reason. I think just because the message of it and what it will come to mean is important, but it's just like really hokey, man. It's like, I don't know. She's just really moving around a fire and just like, and 
all I kept thinking was like, I wish this was a serious conversation. They handled this so well, the same idea in conversations with dead people. When the guy that she barely knew from high school is talking to her because he's like a psych student or whatever, but he got turned into a vampire and they're really de- delving into Buffy's psyche. And I wish it was more like that. I wish it was like Sine is a serious person just talking to her instead of the framing of like, wow, serious stuff or uh, silly stuff. Well, we saw her obviously as the first, right? So, I mean, we know who she is. So, yeah, if she were to come out of there as the guide and she walks in in like a fucking business suit or like, I don't know, just like her, obviously, we know it's her and she knows it's her. You know, we all know it's the first, but she's, yeah, dressed in modern clothes, talking just like Buffy, like sitting down with her and like explaining it. I mean, I'm with you. I think that it would be kind of cool to like have something like that happen where it's just kind of like a normal conversation, but they do make light of it. So like it gets a pass because at the end of all that hokey shit, we have Buffy saying, huh? I guess, you know, it's, it's meant to be for a laugh, but you know, if you rewatch it, you'll know about the gift. Right. I mean, that's kind of the only thing. I keep thinking about uh, WandaVision. We just finished WandaVision not too long ago. And it was such a good conceptual show right up into the last episode where it just gets reduced into fucking laser beam fights like every stupid (laughs) superhero thing ever does. Um, Sure. But I was like, in my head, there is a Buffy that could be like that show, kind of. Like, just the the feeling, the vibe of that show where it's more serious and the high concept, cool things going on. There's definitely a supernatural element because she's a superhero, you know, and like... It could be like that. More sci-fi, less uh, mystical spirit from 2,000 years ago, but also that. So, But I was like, it, that show's not funny. Like, there's a little bit of comic relief. Kat Dennings is funny. Randall Park is funny. But, like, other than those couple characters, the show is very serious um, and in high concept. So, it, it, it's yeah, it's fundamentally, I think, sure, Buffy could be interpreted that way. But that's not why we like the show. So... Well, do you think Buffy Bot makes it to a 12-episode serious That's show? a good point. You know, I think Buffy Bot is probably... I mean, Buffy Bot's a great example of, like, an instant cut. You know, I mean, just as a concept, you would just be like, ah, we can't waste our time on this. I don't know. if Because in my head, we're taking basically all the filler out and we're putting the 12 episodes right. that are, like, the plot. And every... Which we've talked about on the show multiple times. And it's like, you do that and it yeah. just... It's not good. Right, because you would cut this out. You would cut this episode out. And it's like, well, the whole point is you got to have these in here. and We have to do it. Right. Well, because then you're like most of Jane's episodes get cut, right? It's like you, you, all those things that are just filler with all the fun jokes and stuff. We just like we don't need them. So we move along. But, yeah, I'm sure we've, we've hashed this a million times. But I'm just like really starting to feel it more. And like it makes sense that like this is this is just a different show. And I, I'll never be able to really put my thumb finger on like why it's so different than all these other shows that are genre the, the same. So, anyway. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Pokey pokey. Tell me all about it. <laughs> we don't do segments anymore. Wow. We don't have time. <laughs> okay. Where to start with this? You know when you're a kid and you have to sit in a circle and the first kid says a phrase like whispering into the next kid's ear and it's like telephone yeah it's like laundry and then by the time it gets around the the final person thinks that the phrase is like telephone or something that's basically what the hokey pokey is it's like the world's longest worst game of telephone everyone in the world is playing unconsciously (laughs) 
So are we doing <laughs> it right playing, now? I'm not it. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it right now. Oh, yeah. Well, we are now. All right. So we all know the version that we see in Buffy. That's familiar. You put your left leg in. You put your left leg out. Wow. You turn all around. And that's what. Shake it all about. Shake it all about. Thank you. Yeah. Whatever. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's what's all about. The original version. The earliest version. <laughs> That exists was written in 1826 in Robert Chambers's Popular Rhymes of Scotland, and it goes thusly: Fall the raw lol, fall the raw lol, hinkum booby roundabout, no. right yes, hand in yes. and left hand out, hinkum booby roundabout, fall the raw lol, fall the raw lol. Are you having a seizure? <laughs> okay, and I was like, what the fuck oh my God. is the a hinkum booby? Yeah. <laughs> so I looked it up, and the Webster, Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of hinkum booby is chiefly Scottish, meaning a singing game similar similar to Loobie-Loo. And I was like, what the fuck is Loobie-Loo? <laughs> so I looked it up, and I found, I thought this was amazing... There's a, a magazine published called Some English and Scottish Folk Dances Surviving Amongst Children by Anne Gilchrist. And she's just like, it's so funny. She rips this thing apart. She, she's like, here are some examples. The Hankum Booby, or Luby, is a grotesque dance of Tudor times. <laughs> and basically, she says that Hankum Booby seems to be some sort of corruption of the phrase... Hankum Bobby, which is a Scottish phrase, she does not define it, and I cannot find a definition for it. Oh so God. who knows? Naturally, it is used in a poll with Troll Citrace and Trovy. They ranged Hankin Bovey, my church all about. What? Who knows what that what means? Are you saying? Trying so hard to like nail this down so it makes sense. So, wow. anyways, Luby Lou is also a corruption of Hankum Booby, because of course Hankum Luby. Sure. And Luby is a corruption of lubber, which means like gangly, awkward, like land mm-hmm. lubber, like someone who's just like oafish and large. Right, right. <laughs> so this seems to be a general theme of you look like an idiot when you do this dance, I guess. <laughs> I haven't found anyone that has explicitly said that, but that's the that's the very beginnings, 1826. The next version we have, 1857, put my right hand in, I put my right hand out, in and out, in and out, shake it all about. And then you continue with your different body parts or whatever. Nice. But it says that it was danced, quote, deliberately and decorously with slow rhythmical motion. <laughs> so I don't know. How slow. <laughs> it sound very like, fun. <laughs> trance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in 1872, we've got, I put my right hand in, I put my right hand out, I gave my right hand shake, 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 and turn myself about. That one was called the ugly mug. Again, can't figure out why. I don't know. <laughs> and then another version, 1891. This one's also from Scotland. Fuck you, Scotland. Shots <laughs> 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 Sorry, any Scottish listeners. Write to us and tell me what Hinkum Booby means and also what Hilly Baloo Balai means because this is this new Scottish version. Hilly Baloo Balai, Hilly Baloo Balite, Hilly Baloo Balai upon a Saturday night. Put all your right feet out, put all your left feet in, turn them a little, a little, and turn yourselves about. Which sounds kind of like a song that Kelly says she remembers from yeah, childhood. Yeah. No, it sounds just like it. Here we go, loop de loop. Here we go, loop de loop. Here we go, loop de loop. On a Saturday night. Yeah. See, he does. Yeah. 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 You missed this somehow? I mean, it sounds familiar, yeah. but like I couldn't really place it. So, anyways, yeah. All of these songs are the hokey pokey. 
I don't know. <laughs> this is how we played the game without our knowledge or consent. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so back to the loop-de-loo, which I guess is how we in America say it, but in Sheffield in 1892, they called it, can you dance looby-loo multiple times on a Friday night, and you put your right foot in, and then you take it out and wag it and wag it and wag it, and the turnabout. Wow. Right? Yes. Okay. Sure. So fast forward to the 1940s. This is when people start trying to claim that they wrote the song first, which doesn't even make sense. Hello, Hink and Booby. Like, Love it. Love it. we know what's going on. <laughs> but so they had a lot of copyright fights, and I'm not going to get into it because, frankly, I don't think it's that interesting. But there is someone in 1940, he was like a British band person or whatever, who said that he named it the Hokey Pokey because he had heard a boy calling out, hokey pokey, penny a lump, have a lick, make you jump, as he was trying to sell ice cream. Because apparently ice cream, okay. a serving of ice cream in England is called a hokey pokey. I don't know if that's true. Also could not corroborate that. Who fucking knows? <laughs> no one knows that this is the real thing either. Wow. <laughs> nice. But the other thing was hokey pokey could also possibly be a corruption of hocus pocus, okay. which supposedly, like, you know, we know what Hocus Pocus is. We've all seen the Disney movie. We have. But in the 1600s, basically it was like a magician or someone who was doing sleight of hand. And it was also used in reference to priests and the Catholic Church because basically people were kind of like, mm, I don't know, you seem kind of uh, like giant liars. <laughs> so I guess this is what I've read. This guy came out in 2008 and he was like, no one should sing the Hokey Pokey because it's mocking Catholic tradition. And he basically argues that it's derived from Hocus Pocus, which is derived from a perversion of hoc est corpus meum, which is part of what priests sang in Latin during Catholic services, which means this is my body. And apparently, you know, back in the day when you were Catholic, you'd go to church and you'd sit and listen to this priest sing in Latin, facing away from you for, like, mm-hmm. three hours. And, of course, you don't speak Latin. And I guess half the time, he would, like, the priest would, like, whisper or not even say anything. So you're just watching them do these weird movements, like, up at the pulpit, like, doing the symbol for the cross mm-hmm. and bowing forward. And so basically you could say there's, a like, when he's, like, <laughs> doing his Hail Marys over and over again, he's putting his right arm out. He's putting his right arm in. <laughs> right, right. There's a couple of times where he will get up and he'll turn around and face the crowd and then no. turn back around and face away. So no. he's turning about. That's good And then shit. when he's bowing, he's putting his head in and out. And so everyone was like, well, you can't hear what he's saying, so maybe you mistake this this Latin, this is my body, for... Hocus Pocus for Hokey Pokey, and then people start making fun of the priest because yeah. no one knows what he's doing. I love it. So, I love it. <laughs> there's that. Uh, anyways, basically, it got really popular in the 1950s in the U.S. We call it the Hokey Pokey, obviously. In the U.K., they call it the Hokey Cokey, no, which is terrible. No, 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 no. In Denmark, <laughs> they call it the Boogie Woogie, which I couldn't, I didn't even, I can't go there. Woogie Boogie. And then in New Zealand, I know. they call it the Hokey Toki because, and I don't know, maybe this relates back. They have, they call honeycomb toffee Hokey Pokey. Okay. And it's specifically if you say, I want a Hokey Pokey in New Zealand, apparently it means an ice cream with honeycomb toffee in it. So does that make, make sense then that a Hokey Pokey could be a serving of ice cream in Britain in 1940? I don't know. Anyways. Is the Hokey Pokey making fun of the Catholic Church? Mo- you decide. Most assuredly. I love it. That's amazing. 
Yeah. I really hope that's <laughs> I wonder if the the Macarena will go through this sort of cultural, like, you know, side. <laughs> yeah, like for some somebody yeah. in 200 years finds it and they're like, oh, no, yeah, this is the hoop to scoop. Yep, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't think of anything. <laughs> Nothing as good as any Scottish could do. I do have one more thing. I don't know if you guys are interested. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I guess this magazine read in contest for you to rewrite the Hokey Pokey as a famous person, like if the famous person was like saying it, writing it or something. And the winner did it in the voice of William Shakespeare. Oh, wow. How does William Shakespeare, how does anyone know what he sounds like? Do you mean Shatter? No. William Shakespeare, the writer. Oh, just like in the writing style. I was like, yeah. Sorry, you said voice. And I was like, how does, what did he sound like? I'm, my, authorial voice. Yes. I see, I see, writing yeah. voice, yes. I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, okay. So this is the Hokey Pokey <laughs> if it was written by William Shakespeare. Yes. yes. Not Shatner. So sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, proud left foot that ventures quick within, then soon upon a backward <laughs> journey life, anon once more the gesture then begin, command sinistral pedestal to rife, commence thou then the fervid Hokey Poke. A mad gyration, hips and wanton swirl, to spin! A wild release from heaven's yoke. <laughs> Blushed dervish, surly canst go, girl. The hoke, the poke, banish now thy doubt. Verily I say, tis what it's all about. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> wow, thank God you said that part, too. That would have been a lost treasure. Probably some silly ritual with an enchanted prairie dog or something. I could talk to you for an hour about this. Conspiracy theories about the Catholic Church. What's wrong with Scotland? This would be a very different What's wrong with Scotland? We'll never get to the bottom of that. What's wrong with Scotland? I've tried to look up so many things that I'm just like, I can't get to the bottom of it. What does it mean? What does it mean? (laughs) I'm so glad that we talked about the Hokey Pokey because that was actually one of the first Laugh Out Loud moments in this episode for me. Just... You know, just mm-hmm. the Giles thing. But then at the end of it all, after he gets in and does his little dance and, like, shakes his gourd. And then just Buffy deadpan. Just that's what it's all about. And yeah. I, just cut, I, I laughed like, out loud. That's so funny. Both times I watched it. It's so – that is the it's best so delivery of a line possibly in the entire show. Uh, spoiler, it's my episode specific because <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Like, it just <laughs> is. And after I watched it the second time, I was like – Stacia, you're researching the hokey pokey, and I will yeah. not accept any rebuttal. She was like, you could research the Salem Witch Trials, but I think I've got a better idea. <laughs> uh, a much better idea. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, Who knew? It's really hard to go back to... Buffy? Buffy. Yeah. Know. Dang. I want to listen to this this, uh, this podcast about Scotland and the Catholic Church exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> we should just yeah. change the podcast around now. Okay. So there's uh, kind of three big things, I think, in this episode. Um the first big one being that Buffy's clearly having like a crisis of her personhood, her job as a slayer and and uh, what that's doing to her emotionally. Uh, she tells Giles she thinks she's turning to stone and then goes on weirdo, like basically shaking people. I love you. Do you know I love you? Uh, and everybody's like, yeah, it's weird because it's weird. You're not broken. Stop. I love you, Don. You know that, right? Yeah. Giles. I love you. I love you too. Love, 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 Giles. It feels strange. Getting weird. If you love me, get it for me. This shouldn't be about blame. Blame? There's blame now? No, there's only love. Sorry, but it's important that I tell you. Weird love's better than no love. 
so I just was curious what you guys think. Do you think Buffy's right? Does it, what doesn't she say? Um, Angel was like basically, I'm paraphrasing, but doesn't she kind of say like Angel was the last time I felt anything? almost, and then, like, I pushed Riley away. My mom didn't know that I loved her, all this stuff, and, and so I think it's the Slayerness that's doing this to me. Do you think that's legit? Like, do, do you think that she should feel that way? And if so, why? Um, I think I think you could take that as legitimate reading. I think you could argue that. Um, yeah. Every time I see this episode when she was like, I don't know, I don't, my mom is the most important person in the world to me. I'm like, more than anything. Really? <laughs> She's like, did she even know I loved her? And I'm like, well, maybe not, because I definitely did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're a good mom. I'm the best. You like, and it, part of it is that they tried to at the very end build up this really intense relationship. And if that yeah. was the relationship throughout the whole show, if they'd really had some sort of like Gilmore Girls quality to like them supporting each other and having like, a close relationship, I would see that. But that's not actually true throughout the whole show. I mean, she leaves, like her mother kicks her out and she leaves for three months and it's awkward when she comes back. And, you oh, yeah. know, so, yeah, I mean, you did love your mom, but it wasn't the closest relationship. That's okay. And she's probably not wrong that like Angel is probably the most heightened her emotions have been like negative and positive like it was she was just so in it and she wasn't that way with riley but that isn't necessarily a negative thing again like that relationship was doomed from the beginning and you know when you have like a mature working relationship you can't really maintain those highs and lows you kind of have to have some sort of like equilibrium which i think is what she had with riley which isn't a bad thing yeah i I think i think her feeling that totally makes sense i'm glad that they brought all that stuff up too honestly i like as a nice bridge too where you kind of remind everybody riley was a thing all these things are things like i think we it's nice to have reminders on shows yeah we well i think the show kind of want i mean i don't know like i I'm glad that they brought it up, but didn't again linger on it too long. But I do like the idea mainly just because I like Restless and any way to bring Restless into it and just the first and what it means to be a Slayer and this being like something that happens to a Slayer. That's interesting to me just because, you know, we want Buffy to transcend what is like written in stone for her. So I enjoy all of that. You know, when she says what to slay, to kill, it means being hard on the inside, being uh, maybe being the perfect slayer is being too hard to love at all. I can beat up the demons until the cows come home and then I can beat up the cows, but I'm not sure I like what it's doing to me. But you've mastered so much. I mean, strength and resilience alone. Yeah, strength, resilience, those are all words for hardness. The show has really shown us that. And especially the season at times has, has felt like that as well. So I, I do buy it that she would feel this way. And But even if she is saying, like, I should have loved her more, I think, you know, I, she could definitely feel that. And Riley, obviously, leaving on a helicopter, we, we know how she feels about that. So, yeah, I think she can see everybody running away or dying on her. Not great. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Uh, we've definitely talked about... Um you know, Buffy conflating the passion drama-ness with Angel, uh, then that being like what a real relationship supposed to feel like versus um, with Riley and that being some kind of failing because there, that wasn't the situation. Um, yeah, the Joyce thing's damning because like obviously we made a whole episode out of <laughs> Faith coming to attack her mom and her not being there for months on end. I know. So that's a little tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this, this made me, um, and I think aptly, think about Kendra. Um, you know, yeah. 
we like to forget Buffy died already once, but we sure as fuck like to forget that Kendra was a character. So, um, yeah. I, you know, that was the the archetype of the hardened warrior, and yeah. and I mean, I we don't get a lot of Senea, but clearly that's um, what the the Shadow Men were trying to make it was just a machine, just a, a killing machine, and not not a person. Um, but I, it, it's. Cool on one hand to see Buffy go to that di- in that direction, and that's what kind of the mission statement of this season was. Clearly, we outlined that where she goes to Giles when he's going to leave and say, "I want to know more. I want to be more." Yeah. And obviously, your mom dying would send you into a tailspin and make you forget all that kind of stuff. And you just kind of uh, maybe something's wrong with me. Everything is gone. I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know that this vision quest provided any of that. I mean, you got a cryptic message about death is your gift, yeah. and that the you you're full of love. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that a critique of her almost? Like, are you, is, is that like, hey, you're doing Slayer wrong? Like, you're full of, yeah, love. I don't know. Hey, you, stop it. Stop. Did you take it that way? I did not take it that way as a critique, but I was curious that, that they chose the way to say you're full of love and not the Slayer is full of love. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was hoping, I, like I said, I, re- I misremembered this scene. I thought it was a lot more dramatic and a lot more poignant. Uh, and focused about about Buffy, about the Slayer. It really wasn't. It was just kind of meandering, like, shaman stuff and then saying death is your gift. I, I was really hoping in that moment where she's like, you're, um, you're full of love. It was like, the Slayer, you know, is love. Your love for humanity keeps uh, safe or something kind true, of thing. I, I know, but, like, I thought there was going to be more. Like, I, not the love part, because the whole thing is weird. But I don't know. I thought it was going to be more. She also says, love, give, forgive, risk the pain. It is your nature. One of the things that we've talked about before with Buffy is that the reason why she's been su- such a successful slayer is that she has her friends with her. I think the reason why Sinea says, like, you know, you are full of love is because, like, that's a unique character unto Buffy as opposed to, like, most slayers. It seems like they're kind of, like, solo assassins versus, like, someone who's working in this group. It's interesting, then, that Buffy is like, I I don't think I can love because, you know, I don't feel it when, you know, we have all these other examples of slayers that don't even have someone to say I love you to. I don't know. It's, it's sure. just a hard pill for me to swallow that. Because it, it's sad on the one hand that Buffy thinks that and like provably untrue because we've seen her care deeply about people and like. Yeah, but if you, I mean, it's it's kind of like a gradual progression though, right? She was like, to be a good slayer, you have to be stone. And I think Sinea is saying, you don't though. That's yeah. not your strength and that's not the way you should be approaching this. And that it's hard yeah, to love and still have to do this job and, you know, I think that's kind of what makes it so tragic with Buffy is like, it's not. She doesn't get the easy way out where she gets to turn off her feelings and not have to deal with it. She has to feel all of it, you know? Yeah, and that's always been her edge on the one hand is that she has family and something to care about and something to to keep going for. But it's also a detriment because she has something that's constantly in jeopardy and, like, something she's constantly having to think about and deal with. I think, and maybe this is going totally off base, but I kind of always think about when she kills Angel to stop the end of the world and then when she sacrifices herself to stop the end of the world it's interesting because like both times I guess you could say that it's out of love like she recognizes but also like duty I don't know if that makes sense because like obviously she loves Angel and she can't stop that even though she's tried all season because he's been terrible Angel's lame his hair goes straight up and he's bloody stupid Okay. She can do the calculation in her head that, like, even though I love this person, I have to do this to save everyone else that I love. But with Dawn, it's like, 
she will do what she has to do to save the people that she cares for, you know, but she will do anything she has to do to save the people that she cares for, including like sacrificing herself and ergo death is your gift or whatever. But I think it's an interesting juxtaposition that she has that moment with Angel where she decides like you have to die because she could have had that same moment with Dawn. Yeah. 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 And Giles even says as much, like, this would solve the problem. And she's like, absolutely not. It's just a weird meandering. We remember this point for that episode, for, for the gift, because that is a great point. Like, is this, a, is this a net good? Is taking Buffy out of the world instead of Dawn a net good? And I mean, I think the quick answer is no, which is why Giles yeah. is like, just well, get rid of her. The death is your gift thing has always, like, worked on multiple levels. Because, like, yeah, I guess she dies to save Dawn, but, like, also she... She gives death to Angel to save everyone else. Like, she's constantly and demons and giving death to, you know, help save people around her or whatever. So it's not just in the single vacuum of, I saved Dawn by dying. I do think, Kelly, you're overthinking it because really all this was is we just needed a convenient excuse for Buffy to be go- gone somewhere. So oh, absolutely. So that we could then have... Buffy Bot Buffy show Bob, up and yeah. it not be And that's weird. why so, this episode is it. so cringy. Because you have this moment, which is really nice, that Buffy's, like, thinking about, like, what am I? What does being a Slayer mean? How does this, you know, change the my relationships with the people around me? And right. how do I be a Slayer and, like, be a Dawn's person? <laughs> and, you know, whatever that is. And then you immediately cut to Buffy Bot being, like, Oh, you're the big bad. And you're like, (laughs) why are we doing this? (laughs) That's such a Jane thing, though. It's like, it's so good. It's so funny. Hey, I know this. They're both Buffy. No, she's a robot. She acts just like that girlfriend bot that Warren guy made. You guys couldn't tell me apart from a robot. Oh, I don't think I'm a robot. She's very well done. What a great segue. To the other thing that happens in this episode, Buffy Butt, in all its cringy glory. So I have a yeah. hard time viewing this in any kind of positive way, which makes all the jokes feel kind of weird and bad. Mm-hmm. Like they don't land as well because like this is essentially fucked up because obviously we're objectifying women to just being a, I don't want to say the thing I want to say. They just Sex bot? I was going to say a collection of holes. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I don't know if it's just that. As Warren said, I made a girlfriend. Yeah, I yeah, made no, no, someone no. to love me. No, I agree. And I like <laughs> when I was watching the second time through, I had a thought that made it a little easier to digest. And I wonder if you subscribe to this kind of psychology, because I know this is, and this is all pop psychology, but um, that I, I kind of had this idea. So is it better, especially knowing where we go with Spike, that he made a girlfriend, or had Warren make a girlfriend, to do his gross spike, whatever he's got to do, then attack Buffy. Would she, like, I know he's got a chip, but like barring chip, would he have just attacked Buffy? I mean, he does later, so I don't know. I mean, barring chip, he wouldn't have ever gotten that close to her. Yeah, I guess it's Well, true. you could say it the other way, too. You could even go grosser in that, did he get all of this weird shit? That when they're together, who knows what it's like. I mean, I guess we're going to see them fuck a house down. But, like, sure will. did he do even weirder, horrible shit to this bot I that mean, we don't want to discuss because we don't want to know? There was way more sex just than I thought there was going to be in this oh episode. God. I thought it was going to be PG. And it's like, he's pulling up his pants. Oh, they're yeah. They're fucking in the fucking cemetery. Yeah. I mean, it shocked me 
how like yeah, not graphic obviously but like whoa okay for me the, explicit the what the scene where he's <laughs> leaning against the wall and clearly he's like buffy's you know going down on him that to me was uh-huh. like way more vulgar than her like weirdly sitting on top of him in the graveyard because he's just laying there like n- clearly nothing is happening clearly this is two people awkwardly sitting right. one is sitting on top of the other but yeah the 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 bj scene was really like oh stomach turning for me particularly but that was tough I was, that was that was definitely the toughest yeah I don't understand this. I did the slaying. I should be. Satisfied. But I'm not. I'm all... My skin is all hot. Do I look hot to you? Always. You better feel me to make sure. I can do that. I also think that this fictional version of a a robot girlfriend, because we don't have that kind of technology, is different than a sex doll. But sex doll real dolls are... A thing, mm-hmm. right? So someone who's like got some fucked up predilections, but doesn't want to hurt anyone, acting those out on an inanimate object. Do you think that's better? I mean, it has to be, right? But like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Because that's certainly a thing. Obviously, I haven't gone too much into this, but I've heard I'm very deep into true crime, and oftentimes that leads to talking about pedophiles that kill children. And so, content warning. But pedophiles, like, you talk about, like, if you are innately a pedophile, how do you deal with that if you don't want to harm children? Well, like, is, non-offending something. Yeah, but, like, yeah. is there, like, a, not positive, but, like, neutral outlet for that? Is it, like, drawings of children or something? And, like, trying to navigate that morally. So I don't know what the answer is to if you have a really messed up, like, I want to murder women, but I'm just going to strangle a sex doll. Is that okay? I don't really know. Like, if that leads to a point where it's not enough or what? I mean, I guess you could argue if you're doing that instead of hurting an actual person, obviously that is better, like, one-to-one. But on the scale of, like, should you be doing it at all? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think with a lot of with a lot of sex too, it's like I think we think of people as like d- automatically going to be like violent sex criminals, and what it really is, it's kind of gross. But like, if you're talking about it in that way, with this, I think it's important for Spike. It's not just about like enacting violence on onto Buffy, mm-hmm. but it's Buffy saying that I want to be with you. Oh yeah, like that's what he wants more than anything else. And mm-hmm. without that, because you know, the, when she was like, "Do you want me to replay this program?" No program. We're not doing programs. Like, don't say that. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes you out of the element, right? So for him, it is not just about sex. It is about them being together and and him being loved by her. That's way more important. Yeah, it's it's the whole fantasy, right? It's not just the physical thing. But of course, he's like, "Yes, do all that too." But it, it's really that, um, like, Spike wants to now be in this world that doesn't exist where Buffy yeah. is his girlfriend. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. it's that's I think that's why it's such a weird question because you're like, okay, yeah, it's a robot. It doesn't have feelings. I guess technically you're not doing anything wrong, but also you're kind of violating Buffy. Like, you don't have her permission to do this. I know. And he sort of has this, like, pseudo relationship with her. You know, it doesn't exist. It's not actually her, but, like, you know, he wants it to be, and it's almost like he's, like, forcing it to happen without Buffy's consent, and then that feels rapey and weird, and that's why the whole, like, it, if you're using a sex doll, is that okay? I don't know, because, like, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what I think we, talked that, about we last might have time. talked about this. Yeah, yeah, with the last we episode did. where it's like, yeah. she's not a real person, right? Yeah. She was an amalgam yeah. of people or an idea or maybe a picture of someone that he would never, ever meet or something like that. This is different because he's, yes. like, build Buffy. Yeah. 
yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. and it's ostensibly her, right? I mean, it's they wouldn't know what she looks like underneath the clothes, right? So it's this again fantasy of what that is, and it's mm-hmm. like and that's dark too because he eventually does have sex with Buffy, and it's like, I mean, that's so weird that you've had sex with uh, the face of two women that are just going to be different, two different bodies, two different everything. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can pretend that it's real. And for Spike, I'm sure he thinks I will never ever in any world have Buffy. So this is the best that I will ever be able to do. Right. So you, he would have never thought, because if you ever thought you actually had a chance with this person, I think you would hope that you would be like, Oh, I, I, I don't want to go down that path. Like I can imagine it in my head, but I would never go about building a sex doll based on somebody I actually want to be with because you're either going to be disappointed or, or whatever. I don't know. Or eventually succumb to how gross and weird it is. Yeah. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. I think that I'm never going to have Buffy as the phrase that makes it so creepy. Like I'm never going to have Buffy. So this isn't my way to force it to happen. And so you're like, ah, yeah. Yeah. Like he's like ignoring reality and saying no. I think that's why it's um, we have that line from Xander where he's like, you are a monster. Yeah. Like, clearly he's talking about in the scope of, like, you're a vampire, whatever. But, yeah. like, that's – that we needed him to say that. Yeah. But then Xander at the end has to be, like – because he's contractually obligated to take away all goodwill and just ruin it at the end <laughs> where he's, like – where he's just, like, well, you took away his toy or whatever. Yeah. And fucking oh, like, yeah. Don't you fucking His best toy. Because you, I know Ugh. what you think, you bastard. Because you already you'd said use it the Buffy bot if someone yeah. left it in the closet alone. And he did. <laughs> and I, I was made to love you, right? So he, he, because oh, yeah. we talked about this, just the whole, you know, idea of it mm-hmm. back then that you can go back and listen to. But I mean, yeah, he definitely voiced that side of it. And like we said at the time, you know, we talked about just sex bots in general. But like, I think we came down on the side of like doing it from somebody that you know is never going to be a great idea. I don't know what I was thinking when I was in college and I was watching this, and I I think part of it is when you're, like, powering through a bunch of episodes in a row, this condenses into such a short period, you kind of forget that it happened or whatever, and it's just, like, jokes, jokes, jokes the whole time, so you brush it off. But this time watching it, it is like, really cringy to see Spike doing this stuff with his Buffy bot and everything, and then at the end, you have his, like, redemption moment, and it was, like, she really had, like, Jane really had to handle that, like, fairly masterfully to get the audience back on board with Spike, I think. Mm-hmm. You have to have Buffy's ultimate approval approval of Spike to, like, move forward with him as a character, and the best way to do that would be for her to say, I am actually going to kiss you and let you know that it is me, and then I'm going to walk away and say, like, we're done with this. The robot is gone. The robot was gross and obscene. It wasn't supposed Don't. to. Don't. That thing, it, it wasn't even real. What you did for me and Don, that was real. I won't forget it. It's hard to believe Buffy would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what another great segue. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, do you think that this is enough? Like, do you think that Buffy going to Spike and and, and ostensibly saying you're back in the fold, like, I might as well reinvite you into my house, which she's going to do shortly, you know, for the gift. uh, This is a big enough move to... To make that valid, like to make that a, a valid choice, because she is saying that by kissing him, I feel like she is saying, "Okay, 
I mean, we're not best friends, but all right. I think it's pretty cool that he didn't sell them out when he could have, right? I mean, in the scope of like what is being talked about here with the key and how important that is, I think it is cool that he didn't do it. I think that Buffy would definitely have a lot of goodwill for that. But I, I instantly for me, it would be undone by the entire existence of Buffy Bot, right? So maybe this is it, just like a simple like we're good is probably the best. I mean, maybe she would have, you know, been much more friendly if he didn't have a fucking sex robot of her, right? I mean, I don't, but I don't know. But then if there was none of that, then we wouldn't be where we're at because he got taken because of the sex bot. And now she knows where Gloria is. And like, that's going to obviously be a part of like the the end of this season. So I don't know. There's a lot of like, I think she appreciates like that we've moved the plot along, not just in a obviously story <laughs> sense, but like we're moving the story along. But I don't know. But I do think Buffy would do it, I guess, because I know Buffy does it. So I don't really know how if I don't feel like she would. I mean, she does, so she would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she definitely had to go to him to confirm the Dawn thing. Like, So that's step one. She did actually have to go there to talk to him about it. Uh, whether or not she had to kiss him to sell, like, I'm the Buffy bot, I don't think that matters mm, because, like, clearly no. immediately afterwards he knows no, it's not. No, that was her, like, thanking him because at that point she already knew what she no. needed to know. Yeah. So, But they did mention that he lied. Like, they, I think they made a point of him saying that he would just lie to you. And I think the reason that he, that they said that is explicitly in the magic box was so that when she went there, the only way to, the Get only the way to really yeah. know is not to intimidate him, but to think that he's talking to Buffy bot, a third party. And, and then he could be like, yeah, I told, the fucking key is wherever, right? I mean, that's the only way to get him to not lie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that true or not? I don't know. But I think that's why they, they yeah. explicitly said that beforehand. Yeah. So. I I think that it did it very... I think you were right to say that Jane handled it really, like, mm-hmm. deftly. It's yeah, because you really are on the line. I think she gave him the appropriate amount of forgiveness, right? Like, we're not we're not 100% there, but but it's undeniable the fact that he thought he was going to die. Like, he was... And he, and he was like, okay. Okay, I'm gonna die. Especially in the elevator, like when that moment when he like he like steals himself, like, all right, fuck, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And then he's just like, Oh, thank God Buffy's here and just <laughs> falls down is is like really amazing. And and that's why he's such a fucking terrible character because I'm just like, God damn it, Spike, you're the worst, <laughs> but then also sometimes you're the best, but then but you're the I worst. Love you. again. <laughs> <laughs> that's so what makes him a good character. He doesn't have to be good to be a good character, yeah. right? I mean that's that is something that's true as well. I think people conflate that all the time. Especially mm-hmm. now like with a lot of um social media piling on of different stuff. I saw like one person on the internet talking, not in a specific character, but it's like why do you think a good character arc means that the character is a good person? Like like a multifaceted character does not have to be morally good or any particular way. And it's like, that's so true. Spike is an interesting character with a lot of depth. Is he a good person? No. <laughs> is Angel a good person? No. Yeah, I mean, at least in here, we're, we're saying Spike is not a great guy. Yes. But I guess we're kind of rooting for him. Yeah. So it's kind of complicated for us. But I like that. I like feeling complicated about a character. And obviously we know a lot of bad stuff's coming. So we've had a ride here with Spike and... It is not over yet, yeah. and I'm excited for that. Mark my words, the Slayer is going to kick your skanky, lopsided ass back to whatever place would take a cheap, whorish fashion victim, ex-god like you. Well, this is the perfect time to remind everybody that we're a real podcast, and you can find us everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, bbpod.wordpress.com, where you can find all kinds of show notes about things that maybe we play during the episode and other stuff. Like, hey, do you remember what I ranked episodes 
17, which was just the last one I realized. I don't remember. Uh, but you can find that there, beatmepod.wordpress.com. We also have a playlist on Spotify, Beat Me Hyphen Fun Time playlist for podcast fans, season five. And that'll contain all the music that we use in our podcast episodes, as well as any music that is used in Pokey Pokey. the Vampire Slayer. Ugh, gross. Uh, that's available on Spotify. So check that out if you like music and Buffy. Great. Moving on. And nursery rhymes. Yeah, unfortunately. It is a sham, but it's a sham with yams. It's a yam sham. You're not going to jokey rhyme your way out of this one. But I want it. It is time to yell. And uh, I'm going to go first, because I don't ever really go first. Yay! I know. But man, was that a mistake. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Okay, so we do this all the time on the show, and I should be over it by now, but apparently I never will be. Jeez. Jeez what? Are you bracing yourself for whatever I'm going (laughs) to say? Yeah. We are in Southern California. We go so far as to the literal oh, desert. Yeah. <laughs> and Buffy yeah. is wearing a thick-ass sweater mm-hmm. and a suede trench coat in the damn desert. And Giles also wearing a thick sweater and a sports jacket. Why? It's it's cold. Why? It can get cold. Have you never been to the desert? It can get cold. Can I get don't argue there. that it can get cold at night, especially, and they are going to be there overnight. But they don't need to wear all that during the daytime. Put it on at night. I don't, Maybe I just, it's late in the day. You don't know. You don't know. God, man. Inappropriate. Well, I'm just going to pile on that. I love, Like you said earlier, I love the idea when they were like, yeah, they go, the Slayers go to the fucking desert. I'm like, now the Slayers have been around since time immemorial, and you're telling me that they've been coming to California, to Joshua yep. Tree National Park. Yep. Uh, how did they get here 300 years ago? They were <laughs> not here. Because um, I wish he just was like, it's not a desert so much as a desert of the mind, which I suppose is the idea, right? Because I'm doing this gourd thing, and then you're going to see a bobcat <laughs> and do stuff. But he did imply it's like this desert. And it's like, what, bro? Like, what if you couldn't get here, right? Like, what if this was a nuclear bomb testing facility? What would you do then? How would you get inner peace? Trying to be generous to the show, I was like, what if what he meant was there's a sacred site, sacred to whatever the native peoples were back in the day at that time, like, that sacred site. But then he, like, he fucks it by saying, like, it's like the Slayers have always used it, basically, right? So it's like, God damn it, you could have gotten away with it if you were just a little more ambiguous with the wording. God damn it. I don't know. Why couldn't Slayers from a thousand years ago be traveling to Sunnydale to get their enlightenment? (laughs) Why would they? (laughs) Makes total sense. Right next to the Hellmouse. Hellmouse? At least he seems more reasonable than that nasty little hard bigoted rodent man. Mom. Uh, Xander is decorating with tools. What? He's decorating with tools. He's got like a pegboard hung up over his couch that's got a bunch of tools on it. He does? I didn't. Oh my God, I didn't notice that. <laughs> it doesn't seem functional. It just seems like a decoration. He's a carpenter, you know. I mean, okay, but if we're being generous no. to the show, in his condo, he doesn't have a garage. Where's he going to put his little workshop? Clearly above the couch. Yeah, in a toolbox. <laughs> It's even lit up like it's art. Oh, shit, man. I know I made fun of uh, the desert scene being kind of hokey. Uh, and part of that is the a little like stereotypical kind of mystically music. But mm. god damn, I love it. I love the score so much. <laughs> I'm such a sucker for that kind of shit. So I think Thomas Wenger did a good job. I'm going to do a two for here. Um, he, 
here's something that I'm sure we've reiterated a million times. Much like this robot conversation was probably word for word in I Was Made to Love You. But here's some more redundant <laughs> stuff from Beat Me. Uh, Glory says we're running out of time. And I know we just talked about there has to be maybe there's some time kind of time component to when this the hell dimension can be unlocked when the quickening happens or whatever. And here again, we have a little bit of an example and, you know, Ben's becoming stronger. So I, I don't know. I feel like there might have been a date for the quickening and we just weren't told. I told you, I thought it was because the planets have to align. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Go back and listen to last week's episode that I can't remember. <laughs> Daniel? Uh, every Everything with Buffy Bot, like, just seeing the friends was obviously, like, incredible. Um, you know, just the three little things for each one of them. Friend Carpenter loves Anya. Date Sander likes okay. money. X-Demon. I mean, the money. Anya, how's your money? Thank you. What an iconic moment. How is your money? Fine. Thank you for asking. Buffy Bot and Anya forever. Best friends. It's absolutely great. And really, it's all about the conversation with Willow outside. It's just the best and just the funniest. Like, Buffy, this thing with Spike, it, it isn't true, is it? You didn't, you know, sleep with Spike. No. I had sex with Spike. I'm sorry if it bothers you. You're my best friend. I was going to mention this at the top, but I didn't because, it, you know, again, with the editing and it's super superfluous. But I have my in here now. So when she's like, you're recently gay, it pops up on the screen. It says 1999 to present. Um, so that confirms that Willow and Tara were hooking up back in Hush because that was the first time they were in an episode. It was the only aired episode with them together in 1999. It was there from the get-go, people. The second they held hands, they were gay in it. Well, this would be from from Spike's recollections. So Spike would, did Spike know? Maybe Spike knew even earlier. I mean, you can, you never know. I mean, this dude's one, uh, I mean, he's looking out out here. I mean, I just love how he doesn't know some things. Like, it's just so great. Like, when they get to the house, nothing more to be said. He doesn't really know that much, which is kind of a dunk on Spike, too. Like, he doesn't know much about Buffy or his friends or any of this uh, to want to be in Buffy's life because she'll walk in and just be like, I fight with weapons. It's like, do you have really nothing else to say? Like, <laughs> What do you think of her? Why do you want to like be with Buffy? You don't even know anything about her. Or maybe... Uh, but he did take the time to program the dunk on Angel. I know, which was great. Or Warren just like cut a lot of corners. You know, that's the only thing I can assume too. It's like, ah, he'll, he'll never know. I thought it was delightful when Will was freaking out that Tara tried to comfort her by suggesting that the Discovery Channel has koala bears. That was very that was cute. adorable. They're very cute. They're very hot. And high. Amber Benson looks great in this episode. For once, she they like dressed her like a human being, which they was They dressed amazing. her like and a human being. I mean, sometimes they make her wear a seatbelt, like a literal seatbelt around her body. It's so strange. <laughs> like, they really just... Poor Amber Benson. But she looked great in this episode. And she couldn't... Except for when she couldn't get off the floor because, yeah, hi. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's totally um, excused, so... Spike's perfectly must sex hair. I gotta say, we really, for accuracy, you should have just had like one side of his hair completely stuck to his head and just instead of that like sexy gelled curl look. No, I'm not buying it. That is not sex hair. That is styled hair. Wow. <laughs> it took 18 episodes, well, more like 15 since we got there in episode three, uh, to see Anya and Xander's apartment, really. Like, it feels good. Feels like we're going to be hanging out here. Yeah, we definitely get a big look. Yeah, it was great. And we got to go out on the balcony. Like, we did a lot of stuff. Like, we, I mean, that just become big moments later on because uh, we do a lot of stuff in these in these places. And obviously, we dance there and 
Mm -hmm. really get a good idea of like the scope and size of it and once more. So it's cool to just kind of be here randomly. Like when I first saw him, like when he walked in or when Tara walked in and he's behind that little bar, I was like, where the fuck are we? And then I was like, oh my God, we're at their apartment. It was was great. I'm glad that we're there, you know, since we don't have Giles' place anymore. So Uh, it's funny that you say that because we, I totally thought that too. The table specifically, I was like, oh my God. I was like, tabula rasa happens at that table. The opening scene when they're all talking about, you know, Buff, because they, the realization of once more feeling and Buffy coming back from the dead. I was like, that's right. so crazy. Cause like in that episode, I'm like, man, where have we, when have we ever seen this table before? And it's like, bam, right? It's fucking right there. Holy shit. So weird. It's a real place. Um, Willow's incredibly pedantic directions for that poor bastard that just wanted to borrow her, her notes. Uh, oh, oh my God. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. I cannot even <laughs> no, look deal with that. Near it. It's like, don't <laughs> even give it, it to him. Don't even give yeah. it to him. Like, what are you even Honestly. doing? You know, it's. Well, Tara, Tara's right. Grief can be powerful and we shouldn't judge. What are you kidding? She's nuts. Poor Tara. You know, when she, they're like Buffy and Spike are having sex and she's like, oh, she's nuts. Yeah. I, did that strike anyone else as incredibly bad? I, was it bad line reading or was it a bad line of dialogue? Yes. Great answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah, it was really tough. <laughs> I you could just feel it coming on. Tara's about to Tara's about to say something. People are going to be like, Ugh. "Oh, okay." I- I- incredibly apt because again, we're hearkening back to uh, "I Was Made to Love You," where she says the genuine molded plastic line. It's like a one to one. Holy I shit! Ah, oh, Jane, goddamn. She practically had genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass. Just trying a little spicy talk. It's great. That's good. That's not bad. Um, involuntary for me. There was two in this episode, uh, maybe because I just saw the room again recently. Uh, but he's your best friend. You know, I, I it was involuntary for me. You're my best friend. Johnny's my best friend. You're my best friend. Johnny's my best friend. You're my best friend. He's your best friend. Best friend. I'm so happy I have you as my best friend. Best friend. It's best friend. Best friend. Oh, come on, Johnny's my best friend. Yeah. Again, I. Really am, but you're recently gay. Um, no. Mark's best friend. Your best friend. <laughs> so, that was tough. <laughs> Incredible. Back to the psyche of Spike. He can't possibly think this is going to last forever, this Buffy bot ruse, right? Like, he's got to know yeah. it's going to get found out, right? It fell apart immediately, though. Yeah, I mean, that was with lightning speed, but, like, he knows this can't last forever, right? I think he'd take her and run. Maybe or keep her in the crypt, but I guess in the whole the part of part of it is clear that she needs to be sexy fighting vampires at some point. Clearly, he forgot to tell Warren in the programming that she can't leave without him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was the whole thing. She was like, "Time to fight demons," <laughs> which was so funny too, because it's like, yeah, why would you actually program that to happen? Like that's that's great to me, and also like, why would you tell Buffy's business to Warren? Like. Warren knows some stuff, but he doesn't know that much. Oh. So that's pretty That's pretty funny that that would even be part of that's it. That's actually so. a great point. And I'm sure that this was mm. not intentional at all. But Warren would have a huge edge on Buffy as an enemy in the coming season because of all this fucking information know. he knows about her that I'm sure he's I stored mean, away. How much does he actually know? I mean. Who Buffy's I, that's friends a, no, and that's family a great are. Point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but also... He he knows a little bit, but I think it's damning on Spike because he he could know everything if Spike Mo- knew anything about Buffy. So. Most of what he knows is Spike's fetishes. That's correct. Like, let's be clear. Yeah. Here. That's correct. I mean, that's, that's the bulk of what he's learned. That's a great point. <laughs> Even Warren's like, I learned way more than I ever needed yeah. to know, dude. All your special 
programming. I only had six positions. Yeah, <laughs> wink, you had wink. like 60. So yeah, we. this is tough for me. This is tough for me. Uh, my, my last one is a Bob Barker shout out. I looked it up. Bob oh, Barker is still alive. 97. Really? I know. I was shocked. I was like, Mom, did you know that Bob Barker's still alive? She was like, what? 97. <laughs> 97 years old. 1923. Still fucking alive, guys, as we record this in 2021. It's incredible. The price is right. Bob Barker. We will bring you Bob Barker. We will bring you the limp and beaten body of Bob Barker. It is not Bob Barker, scabby morons. The key is new to this world. And Bob Barker is as old as Grit. I will bring you the limp and beaten body. <laughs> Bob Barker is so good. That's another like really high of the episode. It's so funny and so random. Oh God. Um. So, Glory, we confirm that Glory doesn't know about the monk's uh, memory building, mm-hmm. right? Because she's like, it must be somebody new in mm-hmm. their life. Yeah. So that was another little tidbit. I was like, huh, interesting. We're trying to flesh out Glory in the eleventh hour. How rare for our uh, our writers here. Yeah. Um, Clearly her minions aren't very good at their jobs because Spike's not that new. <laughs> no, I know, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, that's why she's been like, this is a vampire. <laughs> 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 this is so good. Uh, okay, so I have a very long, oh, long thought, one. God. Okay. So get ready. Braced. Oh, before that, how would BuffyBot know who the key was? Speaking of Warren oh, knowing all the news. Oh, that's a great question. a great question. Why the fuck would Spike he... could have just uh, said. Why would he say that to anyone? He just almost do, got killed to do, not say that. Do we know that BuffyBot actually knows? I mean, I... I don't... We don't have any confirmation. Spike never says that BuffyBot knows. But it's he just, says at the end, though. He says... Because... She, no, she says, well, I'll go tell her. So Buffy, as Buffy Bot, is the one who implies that, and then Spike is like, "You absolutely cannot tell her." So maybe he's like, he's just not thinking and just like, reacting. yeah. And okay. also, like, how does he know she doesn't know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But how would he know? Oh my or how would he know? <laughs> She's been hanging out uh, with them oh, all day. Yeah, that's right? a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be reasonable for her at this point to know. So no, I don't think he told her. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, yeah. the fight scene at the end. <laughs> I have many, many issues with basically the whole end of the episode. Because you're a fighting expert? <sighs> no, not, so not with the choreography. I don't care about that. It was pretty. I'm not someone who usually notices the stunt doubles, like, clipping in for the actual actors. But every single time Sarah Michelle Gellar switched for this woman who was doing her stunts, it was egregious. <laughs> the radius of the arm is so, like... Her, that stun doubles arm biceps are bigger than Buffy's torso. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Okay, how the fuck did they find Glory's actual apartment? How much time did they take looking for them? How did they then? What do you mean? Were you not watching the show? Yeah, they said split up, but I'm just like, yeah, come on, man. Like, what did you do? These are giant fucking penthouse like apartment buildings. I know. You're going floor by floor, door by door, trying to find the place. Come on, <laughs> the time that it would take, regardless of how many people you had split up, there's just no way. How when the fighting kicked off, they all knew to converge on that one spot? Did she set out a fucking raven? Like, what? What the hell happened there? I oh my god. Why doesn't the elevator close? The elevator just stays open forever for Spike to view the fight. Why? What is Buffy Bot doing when she's just standing over Spike, not fucking moving? And then when she does get clued back into the fight, she throws her axe instead of actually using it to fight them. I just Again, don't. That wasn't no. really what she was <laughs> programmed true. for. Oh, and why? Why? To kick it all off. Why? When Glory kicks Spike through the wall, why doesn't she just go grab him? She has fucking super speed. We've seen her go from point A to point B in less than a she's second. She's a god. I just... 
There's so much. I God shouldn't have to stoop to those levels. I think that's all easily <laughs> hand waved away. I hate all of it. They didn't even have to go into the penthouse. They just had to walk into the building. Yeah, luckily that they were there at that yeah. moment. Otherwise, they would have missed it in the other moment. You know, if they walked in, they're like, nothing's going on here. Left, and then it happened. Like, then what? <laughs> Giles went to go look in his requisite <laughs> trash can and was like, well, better go to another building. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> Sandra's looking in an empty corner. Yep, not here. No glory. Oh, we crouch. Oh. And what, oh, can you man. imagine if Xander was the one to find glory? Like, what are we doing here? Like, he's going to die instantly. Yeah, like, yeah. Terrible. Well, I think the point is, like, come back and tell me. But. Oh, well, even when they're, like, at Buffy's house getting ready, they're like, we were just about to go. Fight oh, no. glory? Like, what were you just about to go do? <laughs> Honestly. No, they were just about to go kill Spike. That was the plan. <laughs> yeah, but glory has him. So, like, so, I don't you're going to have a confrontation and she's going to fucking kill you. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and, oh God, at the very end when they're at the magic box. Is that the very end? That's the second to last scene because Buffy right. and Spike are the last scene. But Giles just says... No, we'll be perfectly safe here when Dawn's scared. I'm like, what? 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 No, you're not. She, Glory knows where the magic box is. She's been there before. What do you mean? Okay, yes, okay anyway. We're safe. Right. And uh, Spike built a robot Buffy to play checkers with. Before I have... Oh, I was going to say aneurysm. God, too soon. Um, I think I would like to be updated with the watches, please. Xander construction outfit watch, no, but there are tools, as we talked about, as artwork inside of his apartment, and he was identified as a carpenter by Buffy Bot. So, I know. I think, I think that, that counts, counts, too. So, I guess I, I, I did say yes, but, I mean, yeah. it's technically a no. Uh, yeah. Maroon jacket watch, no, but um, we do get fucking Buffy's brown military fatigues. I mean, definitely missing Riley in that final scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, cake, that big sweater. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Dawn's piercing screams, no. No Dawn at all. Chips Ahoy, yes, because he mentions to Buffy Bot that he can't bite her. So, you know, kind of. It's there yeah. enough. Buffy has a personality. Now, this one's pretty damning because, no, uh, her <laughs> friends cannot tell the difference between her and a robot that has only three identifying factors for each friend. And that was enough for them to be yep. like, bubble. Damn yeah, that's something you don't actually want to interrogate too far because then this whole thing falls apart. Like, are they really friends? Like, how deep is this friendship? I don't know. Yeah. De Hoffren watch, no. No De Hoffren again for the 700th week in a row. <laughs> Taryn Willow are on the pot again, of course. Um, they're watching the Salem Witch Trials. We talked about Salem last week um, because I was saying you can't just go saying you're a witch because oh, right. that's how people get fucking burned. Um, but they're watching it as entertainment. Anya amazingly was there and said it wasn't that bad um <laughs> except for all the people that were not witches because right. they did end up dying uh which was great great lines of dialogue jane espenson i think that was the moment that i was like this is jane mm. that wrote this because that's so good um willow going insane about the integrity of these notebooks uh as well she is so fucked up on that uh scrolling between between the history channel and the discovery channel is such a thing to do when you're high you're like i need to find something stimulating um, they were also unprepared for the boinking spike news. Um, Tara, you know, saying like what I, it sounded convincing when I thought it like oh. thought it. What are you talking about? Like you're you're high as hell. <laughs> so, yeah, they're definitely. She told Dawn that Spike, Spike built Buffy Bot to play checkers with. Yeah. Mm. And and again, Tara not being able to get up off the floor when alarming news is being told. her. Uh, Michael with Amy Gothwatch. Yes. Uh, Buffy Bot not only shouts out the witch. Um, well, it calls her a witch. I'm going to give this a Michael Wicca, Amy Goth watch only because 
one of the identifying characteristics for Willow is witch, but also good at computers. So Kelly, you're it's good looking good for Willow in this one. Uh, Books a million, no. Uh, we did have a book that Giles had, but nothing <laughs> identifiable that I could tell. Streets ahead. I want to say yes, Joshua Tree National Park um, is a part of the lore of this universe. So I, I guess I want to say that. Yeah. And of course, Giles' yeah. biggest KO, no, it'll never be, you know, bludgeoned by Miss Post or whatever. But uh, yeah. Giles, it's yeah. pretty tough. So not a good look for, not a good look for. for <laughs> That's Giles, a really you know, good one. So. Giles, Spike didn't even bother to program my name properly. And then fucking Buffy says it, Giles. <laughs> oh, whoops. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> oh, poor Giles. Excellent. Uh, all right. I think it's time to rank the sucker. Willow Hacks, slash we talk about the net, slash something wicked this way comes. I gave it a seven because she fixes Buffybot at the end. We don't get her on a computer, but we get her doing some engineering shit. And that's the first time I think we've ever seen her do like a mechanical thing such as. And they, yeah. they carry that through, yeah. actually. In the, in the comics, uh, in season nine, I think she kind of becomes like an engineer. Like that's her job. Um, so okay. pretty cool. Nice. Uh, and it looks very complicated, too. I mean, so she, she's obviously... Been working on Took this a stuff chip off, off of screen, a board. She so. sure did. Giles, I mean, hokey pokey Giles. Come on. Uh, and dinner dishes reassuring Giles. We get two sides of Giles. So his level of Giles is pretty high. Until, again, he says the, we'll all be safe here in the magic box. Of course, we have nothing to worry about. I was just like, what the fuck? Why would you? What? I still gave him an eight, but I was just like, that dumbass comment about, like, yeah, of course we're safe here. Because we're safe in all buildings, always. I just, oh, God. Anyway. Dawn needs an adult. Well, she wasn't in this episode, but no. <laughs> uh, the thing that, you know, we'll, we'll continue with her little kleptomania fits. Um, none of the adults know that she's doing that. So it's, you know, kind of hard for them to curb that behavior. But we will point to her being ignored as part of the reason she kind of does that, I think. Because well, she's not being paid attention to, right? So clearly she does need an adult. Um, Didn't we already do this? Didn't we already do this? Ignore, but at least the, the Scoobies. That was a whole season that we just did that we're still in. At least the Scoobies are trying to keep her safe. You know, they did this little spell at the house and everything. So six gets a six. Uh, Monster of the week. This one was tough. Again, I don't really know. Senea. She's not a bad guy, but she delivers cryptic news, and she's a character we don't see very often. Does that count as being bad? Uh, Buffy Bot. The Buffy Bot doesn't do anything negative to our characters other than just simply existing. Uh, that's not her fault, though. Spike. Could be yeah. the minions. And I, I did put the minions, too. Like, you know, Glory kind of, but, but the minions. But okay. uh, I, I have to say that Buffy Bot's kind of the monster of the week. While not a bad guy, she is, like, the thing we created for the catalyst of the episode, right? Like, that's the thing we only see in this episode, which is kind of the whole point of the monster of the week is the thing we have to fight this week. Yeah. but the, Or the thing we have to deal with. So, Buffy Bot is gross. For all the reasons we talked about, I gave it a four. And there's no special effects involved at all. It's just Sarah Michelle Geller. But she did a great job. Oh, and about the, the voice it thing. Is. like she, Clearly she changes her voice to, it's like higher pitch or whatever. I think that's another like sexist bullshit thing, right? Like to have the, oh, women are perky and they all have high voices and they all are frivolous. Ha ha ha. So fuck you, Buffy bot. But also jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Uh, relationship goodness or badness? Anya and Xander? Seem great. Willow and Tara, great. Cuddling on the couch. Uh, Spike and Buffy Bot, getting along swell. <laughs> I can make sketches. No. I would say Buffy and everyone, Her them not knowing that she, or not, not knowing that Buffy Bot was not Buffy is 
huge down for our relationship, goodness or badness, because, again, incredibly damning. Um, oh, I read my rankings wrong. Wow. What, what are the odds of that? This one got a four. The Buffy bot got a six. Whatever. Let's move on. Episode specific. Death is your gift just because of how big of a deal it is. But very close second. That's what it's all about. Goddamn. One of the funniest lines. I mean, obviously heavy context, but goddamn. Nine out of ten. Uh, that's 40 so for the episode, which makes this 11 of 18 for the season. Okay. Right above forever, which again, damning for forever. And right below real me. Stacia. I ranked this 68 out of 96. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, upper, or lower third, lower third. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 70 and 30. Yeah, it's pretty low. Do you feel like you like the episode more now that we've talked about it? Or less? Probably less even. Probably less even. Okay, The funny jokes have faded away, and I'm just left with the foul aftertaste of Spike's nasty sex pot. That is what you remember, really. No. Yeah. Unfortunately. All right, what do we have around your episode? Yeah. It's below Dark Age. Great. It's also, you can't even say it, can I you? I can't, I'm trying so hard. Why are you trying? I don't know. <laughs> it is one below, and I think everyone will approve of this reading, the Zeppo. <laughs> and Ooh, not me. <laughs> one above the Iron Team. Yeah, that's a dark sense. place. Wow. What do you mean? The Iron Team? I don't know. I just I hear the Iron Team and I think Riley and I'm like, oh no. Yeah. I would just say this season honestly is not ranking so hot for me. It's basically like middle and bottom. Oh yeah. I had a reckoning with that earlier when I was ranking this. I was like, man, season five, you are doing me bad. Okay. <laughs> I constantly stand for you. I constantly say that you're the best season. And man, I just don't have the proof on this rewatch. I just don't no. have the proof. Half of, half of mine are in, yeah, 60 and below. I mean, I'm 137, so 70, right? 65, 70 is my middle. And yeah, I mean, 65 down, the majority are actually below 65. Damn. Yeah, so not great. Yeah. <laughs> where's where's this one? Uh, this one, I, I'm, I was nervous about putting it so low, but I feel much better. Uh, forever, we definitely had a great conversation last week, and I'm glad that I put it way further down than I was going to, even though it ended up at like 15. I love that episode. Not really. It was fine. This one is 82 because even though the jokes are really, really funny, it it is a tough, tough watch. And like, I don't know, not a lot really happens in here. Um, and I'm at that point too, where like, unfortunately you're like, I got to try to fill this thing in. So I'm looking at my list here and I'm like, you know, I've got like crush at number 75, checkpoint at 76, beer bad, 77, so I'm like, keep going down. Faith, hope, and trick, 78. And then I'm like, I got 80 and 81 <laughs> open. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. What's my line part one and two? At number 83, I'm like, sure, it's better than that. I don't fucking know at this point. It's better than Primeval. It's better than Bad Girls. It's better than this year's girl. Basically everything Faith-related. So anytime I could be above Faith and whatever, we're good. So, But yeah, it's pretty low on my total rankings this year. Like, you know, checkpoints above it a little bit. Into the Woods is below it. But, I mean, this has been tough. tough yeah. Too. I um, I don't. But then you have the body, so it's like you you really have great, 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 great episodes, and then it's like eh, really whatever. And even this one's really fun. But we have yeah. four episodes left, and I just it seems nigh impossible that those are going to be able to make up for the many sins of the season. And I just like I feel like I've grown, and it's been hard. It's been dragged down by season four, lasting halfway into the season. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
Dang. Well, that's uh, intervention. <laughs> in the books that one's done now uh, Stacey do you have anything else to say about intervention I sure don't and Daniel do you have anything else to say about intervention no I, I'm done okay well next week I, I am an unreliable narrator am I narrating whatever host? Uh, yeah host there we go we gotta go um, <laughs> I'm an unreliable host but uh Tough love is is a tough one. I mean, it's right there in the title. This one's pretty heartbreaky. So, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But tough uh, in a good way or a bad way? Like in a, in a good way. Or? Yeah, I mean, because oh, Tara really? gets brain sucked and then and Willow goes on the warpath. Yeah. So, okay. so there are a lot of Ooh. good but sad moments. Hopefully, or it's a terrible episode. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Until then, station, say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Daniel. Say goodbye. I've got two for you. One, the beat me pot of what bad home perms. That was pretty good. <laughs> or, mark my words, Beat Me Pod is going to kick your skanky lopsided ass back to whatever place would take your cheap, whorish, fashion victim ex-god like you. That's right! <laughs> and where Spike finally gets to say the things that everyone wants to say to Gloria. Good moment. We will see you next time. Goodbye! See, we won't see anybody. It's not a saying thing. We'll this hear is a you. listening thing. You'll hear us next time. <laughs> <laughs> god damn it. Only not. Shouldn't we have guns? Sometimes in the movies, when they go crazy, they slap them. This is my house. I live here.